Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. So before we get into this week's thing, which I pre-advertised in last week's episode, if you didn't li- listen to last week's episode, which you probably didn't, because, let's be honest, Copcraft is not that popular of a show, clearly. Um, but I did want to thank anybody who did listen to it, and listen to my rantings and ravings about one of my more liked character designers over the years, and, like, how that show exists because of him, basically, um, and because of his character designs. But, um... So, th- this is quickly becoming, like, the mech minute, because I'm still I'm still playing Damon X Machina, and I can't stress enough... If you're really into giant robot anime, if you're really into Gundam, if you're really into, and this is weird, Elreka 7, or, um, kind of any giant robot anime, maybe with the exception of Ava, um, I w- and even Ava, like, they have parts that are like, I hear you like Ava, do you want to build an Ava? Because we got Ava parts, yo. Damon X Machina is just an all-around fun time of a mech game. You can customize as much as you want. You can use stock parts as much as you want. It 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 just it, it remains to be fun. It may be repetitive, but it like I think it'll be really interesting in Day Next Machina when they add PvP because people are like customizing their mechs within an inch of their lives. Which is fascinating, and, like, I have, so, for example, I have a um, mech that I named, a build that I named Akaboshi, or Red Samurai, and basically what it's designed to do is force people into melee combat, (laughs) and if you're like, wait, what? (laughs) Or you play this game and you're also like, wait, what? (laughs) What I mean is... Like, it has radar jammers, so it jams all your targeting, and I also have missiles that slow you and keep you in place, and then I just have two big katanas, or on the, on my alter, on my alternate weapons, I have two matching red beam sabers that I just go in and go to work with. And it's just, it's really, kind of excellent for someone who's always been a fan of of mecha anime to have that kind of customization customization be available in a video game and that's why I keep talking up um this game because it is uh it, it just it it's worth it's worth checking out if you like that stuff because it scratches all of those itches. The only thing I will say is don't get super attached to your, like, pilot character because the game is in a real hurry to make him real ugly as quick as possible. So, like, I made this really suave, Tony Stark-looking dude, and all of a sudden now he's all skinny and fucked up, and I'm like, ah, god damn it. But I made those... I made those changes for a reason.
Like, now I can use swords better. <laughs> but, um... So, anyway, definitely, once again, for the second week in a row, definitely go check out Damon X Machina. Um, it's on, it's only on Nintendo Switch. Um, I think it's a full $60 game, but if you're into that kind of stuff, it's super worth it. Um, they also have, like I said, I can't wait till, till PvP comes out, because they have PvP coming, and that will be its own wild thing once we all get to, like, stick our fucking giant mechs at each other. That'll be a cool thing. Um, but yeah, definitely check it out. But, we're not talking about that. I might end up doing a mini-podcast just about Damon. But, right this week, what we're talking about is a little movie that is sold out everywhere called Promare. バーニングレスキュー出動予定。バカのバーニッシュフレアの即座。霧がないですよ。味が付きますよ。直上射出だ。ガロを上げて。味はそう着。まあ、遠い天下。バーニッシュの出現から30年。地球の近くないのマグマ
in many cases, cutting edge weird shit. That it like stuff came in over budget. Famously, like the last episode of Ava is just like fucking watercolor paintings and nothingness. And the but the result is that of artists really doing their best, their level best to create amazing work is that they they did regardless of like budget time constraints any of that stuff and out of that like thing came ultimately another studio people who split off from Gynax called Trigger and Studio Trigger has made a bunch of different shows the first one and one of the more well-known shows is a show called Kill a Kill. I've done an episode on Kill a Kill. It's in the podcast feed. You can go find it. I really like that show. That show is as interesting as it is alarm bell ringing, if that makes any sense. And... So one of the things that ultimately happens with that ultimately happens with trigger shows is they're all very imaginative and all very well thought through. But they all also have like some very most of them um have some variant of a caveat with them. Like if you if you want to wa- if you want to get the meat and potatoes of how good Kill a Kill is, you have to put up with just an insane amount of fan service. Now, the fan service is, like, has a point. It's not there just to be pointless, but it's still fan service. And, you know, Non Non is still prepubescent in almost no clothes in um, many scenes. And that makes Kill a Kill a hard thing to recommend to people who wouldn't be predisposed to already liking it. Um, because it is it has the kind of fan service angle to it. And the the running joke about Kill a Kill is you know what kind of person what kind of person an anime fan is if they recommend Kill a Kill to you for the right reasons. <laughs> Um, or, and then there's also the wrong reason they can recommend it to you. Both are applicable. Um, but, in that, in Kill a Kill, the Trigger is exploring the studio and the director, I forget the director's name for Kill a Kill, but, um, the director is exploring... The idea of uniforms and the idea of, like, he's having a conversation about what uniforms mean and what it means to be put in a uniform as a kid, what it means to, like, have a uniform all the way up through adulthood, which is a concern in Japan because most public schools, yeah, even, yes, even public schools, make their students wear uniforms, and there is a kind of standard work uniform of, like, a gray or dark blue suit for Japanese businessmen, and it's, it's, it's an interesting conversation to have what, like, 
this kind of like slotting people into these boxes means. And now jump forward to 2019 um, in what I believe is their first full-length feature. Um, Trigger and specifically Imaishi are having a conversation about immigrants, creative people, authority, different levels of authority, like greater good, all of this different stuff. And they're having um, a conversation that relates very directly to the world now. And that is, that is really a great, that's a great thing to have in any anime, um, in any media property at all. I mean, so, somebody said, I, I saw a thread on Twitter about, um, somebody was like, I really, really, I always forget and I always love the fact that Hayao Miyazaki gives no fucks. And I, like, dug into that thread on Twitter, and it ended up being a conversation about the fact that, like, yeah, Hayao Miyazaki gives no fucks, but he also doesn't give other creators the benefit of the doubt or the time of day. He, he, dismisses, he dismisses anime as a whole, even though he's a huge part of it. And so, what that results in is it results in movies like The Wind, like the Wind Rises, where Miyazaki is clearly having a, like, he's having a moment where he's thinking internally, and, like, The Wind, the wind Rises is at its heart about someone neglecting a loved one for their because of the for for work. And if you know anything about Miyazaki, he's neglected his son and like sidelined his son oftentimes for work. Um for more details on that, you can go watch the film of Kingdom Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, which I believe is still on Netflix. But so what what ends up happening in a lot of what ends up happening in a lot of anime and a lot of anime movies and all this stuff is yes they make reference to out to the outside world and all this stuff but there are very easy to have anime fold in on itself to have it be self-referential and not deal so much with the world around it and in watching in watching Promare, I saw an anime that is at its core about the world in which it was created. If that makes any sense. Um, and what I mean by that is is the opening of the movie is people. Who are so? And by the way, spoiler alert for Promare. If you still want to see this movie, 
go find a ticket and watch it, come back and listen to this. But if you don't care about spoilers or you just want to hear me talk about it, then spoiler alert. But, um, basically, the movie starts with this kind of montage of people all over the world who are fed up, who are cornered, who are just plain frustrated with life, and they just get more and more and more and more frustrated until they explode. And if you've been following politics, basically in ev- in anywhere in the world for the past at least year, you know that's kind of what happened in the world at large. People got frustrated with how the world was treating them, and they thought to make a change, oftentimes a negative change. Now, I'm not trying to say the burnish, who are the, like, who are the people who basically ignited into flames, um, are, are somehow Trump supporters. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm, what I'm trying to say is that the burnt, that the burnish are depicted as people who got fed up with all the trappings of life that just keep pushing down on you constantly. It's, it's a constant thing for people. Um, but what happens, and so, there's a, if you've ever seen the 1990s anime, the the 1990s, um, X-Men cartoon, there's a very real sense that the world is getting used, that the world is getting used to the fact that there are mutants. And the world spins on a dime in that cartoon often. It, like, changes really quickly. And th- what happens after the o- the opening sequence is there's this long, there's this, like, couple-minute long montage of all these different news reports about, like, all of a sudden there are burning people running around and there's, like, monks breathing fire and there's, like, all this stuff happening and the world is changed it's like clearly forever changed and as a result um the society totally switches gears and it becomes and the society and like the main and then we get to quote unquote present day, and the I meet this I meet this fire and all of a sudden you hear this siren go off and you're introduced to a place that looks a lot like New York City with a very big strange skyscraper in it, but it's a lot like New York City, and all of a sudden there's this fire alarm going off. But you also notice that there's all these blue fire hydrants everywhere. And it's revealed that, you know, fires is a number one problem. And, um, so, if you've ever, and this is a really weird coincidence, so to speak, 
if you've ever seen or read, um, what's that anime out right now? Um, Fire Fire Brigade, I think it's called the 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 movie about people spontaneously combust. Um, this ha- this kind of has echoes of that, but in a in a, like a totally different direction because in this in this in Promare, it's not that people are spontaneously combusting; it's that people are born with a mutation that allows them to like create fire and control it. And you are introduced to a character design we've seen before. And that's Gallows. And Gallows is basically firefighter Kamina. And uh, along with almost everything that that means. And firefighter Kamina and his like ragtag crew of 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 burning rescue firefighters put out this fire and they encounter the like mad burnish which is which are these quote unquote terrorists. But you find out that basically they are just a different race of people. And throughout this movie you see and and then in a like scene after they fight the burnish the Leader of the Burnish is taken into cu- the they're taken into custody. They're thrown in. They're thrown in like they're basically thrown in a det- in a shitty detention center, um, in a shitty prison, in a shitty frozen prison. But in the in between there, you meet um, I think it's called, called like the Frozen Force or something, or the Freezing Force or something, and they are. Basically, like, this gonna sound weird. They're like ice. <laughs> They're like, give no shits, come in, roll, mow down everything, take what they want, and leave, and they have absolute authority. And the results of this and the results of this you find out and you kind of suspect it at the point which they treat the, the way they treat the like burnish as a whole that you realize now is that there's a lot of discrimination going on and the discrimination is aimed exclusively at the burnish and the and you find out also that the point of the mad burnish it's to just carve a place out for their kind to exist. They all they want is the right to exist. They want to be left alone and be allowed to participate in society. And I heard uh, Zach Bertie talk about the Burnish as like creative people and the like fire soldiers as like the man. And it's all about like. Sticking it to the like the powers that be, and that's not wrong. That's totally not wrong. That's and the thing you have to know about Promare is that it is, it is all of the ideas of Trigger and of Gynax and like all those people who were involved in both 
mashed up into one big beautiful thing. So it has it has the it has like the design sense of Gurren Lagann. It has the anti-authority sense and some of the design sense of Kill a Kill. It has the like there is a Gamagori-esque moment where a character leans forward and takes up the entire screen. There are there are awesome sunglasses. There is Gynax bounce and like up the butt introduction angles. It's like it is a. It is a kind of tour de force of all the visual action, of all the visual kind of motifs of Studio Trigger. And, but what I said, what, what I was saying was, was, um, Zach thought the burnish, Zach got the strong sense the burnish represent, like, creative people. And I don't think he's wrong. I said, but I also think, the Burnish represent a take on any kind of people who are othered, and that's not just limited to creative people. That's immigrants. That's you know the downtrodden. That's people who just didn't, for whatever reason, get a fair shake. And oftentimes, you know, I, I kept coming back to the X Men. When I thought about this movie, because the X Men, at its core, and in its best moments, deals with similar things. It, it uses mutation to talk about race, to talk about like being so different. You're like you, you exist outside of the pre-made box. And I will tell you, as a physically disabled, raised by, raised in a single parent household, raised by a single mother. You know, biracial cancer survivor. It, I kind of I grew up like outside of like the containment unit the rest of the world was in, and I I oh and I still oftentimes have the and this is probably to my deficit often. I have the feeling of looking in at people, of looking in at, like, just the world at large. And it's... It's easy for people to... It's easy for people to misconstrue that, to misunderstand that, to be scared of it, to try and want to eliminate it. Um, they say, so, to give, like, an odd, to go down an odd tangent here, they say that they're coming for me first is not a good reason to, like, fear persecution. But what if you were sure? Like, what if you knew without a doubt that eventually you would be on the list. So, what I mean by that is, right now in America, if you are an illegal immigrant, you are 
really afraid. Like you, you, you are genuinely scared. The government is coming to get you. No matter where you are, you can be in a sanctuary city or a, or a, like, uh, or you can be in Texas. You are equally as scared. Like you have more reason to be scared in Texas, technically, but you're still scared if you're in New York. You're still scared if you're in L.A. Because the threat is out there, and it is big, and it is loud, and it is orange, and it is on TV, it's calling places shithole countries, and all this other shit. Um, I'm talking about Trump, by the way. But something that, pe that people don't think about is that when... What, let's just say that somehow... All the illegal immigrants out of the country. Let's say that finally happened, and we still have problems. Who's on the hook for it now? Is it now legal immigrants? That's already starting to happen. Is it black and brown people? Is it disabled people? Is it wards of the state? It, the, the thing about persecution is that it never stops where you where people say it will. There's always, an, there's always another rung of the ladder. There's always another people who can be blamed. And it... It's really... I find it interesting that... Um, Promare really goes out of its way to point out the fact that the Burnish are not... A single type of people. There's men, women, children. There's white, black, brown people who are part of like the burnish, as a kind of race of people. And what that says is like you know, it it starts to feel a little like the witch trials. If that makes any sense, like. If you've never seen somebody set anything on fire with their hands, but you still want to get somebody in trouble, you can say, hey, that person's a burnish, arrest them. And what we ultimately learn from the, from the plot of the film is that the burnish aren't just being arrested or thrown in jail. They are being arrested and tortured. And you've learned from um, the, like, the, you learn from basically the mayor of New York City. That, <laughs> which is insane, that I, I, the world is going to explode basically in like, in some amount of time, um, and that he has devised a big ship to take everybody to uh, to another planet. But, well, that's the other thing. It's, he's not taking everybody so much as he's taking 10,000 people that he has hand-selected. He's taking a fucking Illuminati level of people and he is just fucking off to another planet. That's the first thing. The second thing is that he is using the Burnish as a power source. He basically, they're basically strapping them to 
wheels of fortune spitting them really hard, and then they spit fire. And what what you start to what you realize at that point is like, oh shit! So he's not killing them; he is tor torturing them as a means to like of he cre he's using them as a means of production. So, in this scenario, the kind of one-to-one -one of it is, is that the the way that we, the way that at least in America and most countries actually, that pe that people of Actually, there's plenty of ways that this happens. There's plenty of ways in every country that people of lesser means, that, like, people who are other, are used to benefit the people who aren't. To, to benefit, like, an elite, wealthy class, which in the case of the burnish being used as a fuel source, is benefiting the elite, wealthy class of, um, Promeropolis, I think is what this city is called. But it's... It, it's future fire in New York. Um, and what... So those ways include, but not are not limited to, work visas, you know, low-wage employment. If, if you live in a house or an apartment that has a maintenance, that has a maintenance staff, or like a, or like a gardener, or like a lawn mowing service, what that means is... The people who are doing that, English is probably not their first language. They could be anything from Puerto Rican to Mexican to South American. Who knows? And, you know, it... It... It, it lost on... Everybody in the... Everybody in... This show's... In this movie's society... That the Burnish... Are, are the power stores that will get them up and out of, um, up and out of the disaster. They, the burnish are the key to fixing the problem. And that is oftentimes the, and, and the only way to fix the problem. And that is very similar to where we find ourselves now. The, the service economy in America is in the process of drying up. Full stop. I, I mean, in a wealthy area where I, in a fairly wealthy area like where I live, you see for hire signs everywhere. You see help wanted signs in all, all, all the time. But they never come down. And the reason for that is, is that there aren't... There aren't people to take those jobs. The people who would take those jobs either are getting better jobs or they don't or they just aren't around anymore. If a Mexican if a Mexican busboy is working and he doesn't have a visa, rides his bike to work every day. Is scared off by seeing an ice van in the next town over and says, Hey, you know, I'm gonna cut my losses, go into hiding you know, move to Nebraska, something like that says, like, 
I'm not taking the risk. I'm self-deporting. I'm leaving. I'm removing myself from the situation. Then, the, then they have to hire somebody in his place. And what if there's nobody to take that job? The, but the thing here is, the thing where it gets kind of like extreme in Promare is that they torture these people and they're using them as a power source and you, you come to find out that like the character who's like the mayor character is actually the antagonist. Um, and the and he is also a burnish. And he has this, like, overwhelming drive to, like, save humanity, basically. And he has such an overwhelming drive that the, the scientist who originally came up with the system they're using figured out, was terrified at what he, like, at the result he found, and said, like, we fucked up, we can never do this, this is torture, and the mayor killed him in cold blood and continued and continued to develop it until it was useful and he could like pull it off and you find out that he's a, that he's an authority figure that, that you see that he's an authority figure and that he is he he's the ultimate bad guy he also happens to be a big, tall, blonde man. Um, which I find interesting. Um, got better hair than our tall, blonde idiot, though. And I, then they get into a big fight that involves giant robots throwing buildings at people. And it's, it's kind of, not just kind of, it is an amazing scene. It is an amazing fight scene. All of the fight scenes in Promare are really, like, top of the line excellent. I would say, for my money, the best fight scene is the first one that you see in the movie. Because it just, it, like, hits you like a ton of bricks every single time. And I, I don't often say, like, I think you need to see a movie in theaters, but I think that it's fairly valuable for you, for you to see Promare on a big screen. Like, if you can get it on a projector, or you can get it on, like, the biggest screen in the house. This is not a movie that I think is served well by you watching it for the first time on, like, your iPad or your phone. I think that to really get the impact of the movie, it would be best to watch it on a nice, big, healthy screen. Now, I want to talk about a little bit of, like, the very clear, self-referential stuff they have going on in this movie. They have, like, it's... The character designs feel familiar. Um, the scientist girl... I think her name's like Nina, or not Nina, um, the scientist girl in the movie. She feels like one of the trigger girls from the, like, 
the original Trigger Girl like promotional short they made. Um, the kind of like female side sidekick character for Gallo for Gallows feels kinda like uh reskin of Yoko almost. Um obviously Gallows feels like um what's his face? Kamina. And the leader of the Burnish whose name I who who name I think is like Geo or something. It's like he is basically Sasuke with like the short bob haircut, but a dude. And the like styling feels so much like Kill the Kill because Mikey was involved with that. It, it but the robots feel like Gurren Lagann, and they have like Gurren Lagann like like idiosyncrasies and like stupid little like weird little names. <laughs> Um, and, I mean, th like, Geo, Geo and Gallows, uh, like, they're, like, team robot they get towards the end of the movie. It feels like Tangum Topon, like, in, like, the intergalactic version of Tangum Topon Gurren Lagann that, like, throws a planet at some other giant stupid robot. <laughs> um... And it, I mean, it's not like we're throwing whole universes at each other and breaking, like, planetoids over each other's heads big, but it gets pretty, it gets pretty far out big. Um, the one thing I will say, and don't get me wrong, I know that animation is difficult, that animation is hard, that animation is expensive, but there's this, there's this thing that I notice happens, that lots of time, stuff just starts being big blocks, because you can move it easier, <laughs> and I think that it was to this movie's advantage that for the most part, the movie takes place in a city, where like, if a robot needs to pick up a building and throw it at each other, throw it at something, you're picking up a big box and chucking it, and just that. I understand why it exists, and I understand like why not everything can be um the word Fantastic Planet, which if you've never seen Fantastic Planet. That's a weird time you can have. It's a weird-ass movie f about giant blue alien people what have normal-sized humans as pets and fight them like Pokemon. Um, it involves the phrase animal of combat. Um, it's... <laughs> I think... Actually, I know, me and, you've heard Lauren on the show before, me and Lauren sat in the student center when we were in college, and we watched all that movie in three parts on YouTube. It is the weirdest thing. 
But I know why stuff can't be that all the time, because that costs an insane amount of money and takes so much time and effort. But some variation would be interesting. Like some, just some, give me a dome. Give me like a good, like you grab both sides of a dome and just boom. Like a giant chalice. Boom. Um, but that, that was really the only thing where I, where I felt what it felt like a restraint, like a restrained thing, which it's really not even a blip on the radar, honestly. Um, and probably mostly informed by the fact that, like, I had, I have watched too much Black Clover. And after, like, the 19th, we used wind swords to cut everything up into, from a big cube to tiny cubes, like, animation cycle, you just, you, you, you're like, you're done with cubes. That makes any sense? You're done with, like, boxes in animation. <laughs> um, but I, I've been rambling for, like, 40, 44 to 45 minutes now, but I, I can't stress enough. I know this is going to be a old man screams at clout, screams at launch, screams at kids moment on the internet for a while because we're all probably telling you go see Promare or watch Promare. But like we all told you a couple months ago, go watch Alita, <laughs> which was as far as I can tell, resoundingly listened to because that podcast had done very well. <laughs> um, but you should go watch Promare. It is the distillation of a studio and its ideas and its like core values into a film and that is kind of amazing and also it is even in the crappy up close seats of a theater like so much fun to sit and just let pump into your eyeballs um but with that said i hope you liked this episode my name has been Alex, as always. You've been listening to Launchbox Radio. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to it in your podcast emporium of choice. You can also rate us there. I would love it if you gave us a five-star rating, or if you gave me a four... You know what, actually? If you could give me a rating, give me a four-star rating, and tell me how I can improve. A bunch of... Like, a, about two years ago now, my very first rating on iTunes... Said like, I love this show. He's got a lot to say. I just wish the audio quality was better. And now I do a lot more audio processing on it. So that stuff really helps. Um, but until then, I will talk at you next time. Major flare, the power in